What's happening, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for July the 30th of 2019. Of course, for those that are brand new here, this is a daily gaming news podcast hosted by yours truly that covers the hottest news coming out of the gaming industry, whether it be talking about PlayStation sales, Nintendo Switch sales, or both in the same episode as we have today. Of course, I do cover other news, but you understand what I'm saying here. We touch it all, and I bring it to you in one time neat little podcast for you to enjoy. Now today, our headline story, PlayStation 4 has officially sold 100 million units worldwide. And of course, it's the fastest home console to reach this milestone on top of that. Uh, Meanwhile, the Nintendo Switch has sold a respectable 36.8 million units worldwide. We'll talk more about that along with some other Nintendo sales figures, including some of the most popular games of 2019. A Fortnite streamer, of course, you might have heard of him, maybe, just he's a small sh- ninja. I don't know if the name sounds familiar, but he is writing a book, in fact, three actually, about how to become an unstoppable gamer. Okay, then. Sounds like I need to pick that one up. Then, Hitman Studio IO Interactive is teasing a new IP and an episodic Hitman 3. There is a hidden QR code found in Halo Infinite's trailer that reveals a Cortana audio clip. And of course, we have a rating for Doom 64 for the PC and the PS4. Does that sound weird to you? Because it should, since it's you know, a Nintendo 64 game. But hey, we are living in the age of Doom, and so more games are going to be coming out, more re-releases, etc., etc. It is to be expected. But with that being said, that is the lineup for today's show. Again, if you are brand new to the podcast, it is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, live on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. Then it's taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, as well as podcast services around the world if you did want the audio version of the show. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top gaming news. First off, PlayStation 4 has sold 100 million units worldwide, and it is the fastest home console to reach this milestone. PlayStation 4 has officially sold 100 million units worldwide as of the three-month quarter that ended on June 30th of 2019. In Sony's Q1 fiscal year 2019 consolidated financial results, it announced that 3.2 million PS4 units had been sold, which would bring the grand total of 96.8 million units back in April to 100 million as of the end of last month. The 3.2 million units sold is up from the 2.6 million units as of last quarter, Q4, fiscal year 2018, and identical to the 3.2 million earned in the same quarter last year. According to Daniel Ahmed, senior analyst at Nico Partners, PlayStation 4 is now the fastest home console to reach the 100 million unit sell-in at five years and seven months since its launch in November of 2013. This beats out the PlayStation 2's five years and nine months it took to achieve the exact same goal. PlayStation 4 software sales were at 42.9 million for the past three months, up from the 40.6 million of the same period last year, although they were down from the 54.7 million as of last quarter. It's also interesting to note that in Q1 fiscal year 2019, the PlayStation 4 game software digital download ratio was 53%, meaning that more people purchased slash downloaded digital PS4 software than purchased physical copies. Sony also revealed that there are now 36.2 million PlayStation Plus subscribers, which may be down from the 36.4 million of last quarter, but is up from the 33.9 million from Q1 fiscal year 2018. 
As for the future, Sony is predicting it will sell 15 million PlayStation 4 units throughout fiscal year 2019, ending on March 31st of 2020, which is down from its previous estimate of 16 million. Sony has said that this is due to lower than expected non-first-party software sales and lower than expected PS4 hardware unit sales. Another factor in this decline may also be us ever inching closer to the upcoming release of the yet-to-be-named PlayStation 5, which may or may not be causing some to wait to see what Sony has planned for the next generation. And so, first off, 100 million units sold. That's nothing to shake a stick at. That is a significant amount of consoles, and without a doubt, worth praise. On top of that, you have to take into consideration that, hey, it's now the fastest home console to reach this milestone, and the PlayStation 4 is a machine that just simply won't stop. It is insane to see what this piece of hardware has achieved in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, I can't believe that it has already been over five years since the PS4 launched, but on top of that, think about how far the technology has come. Think about how far PlayStation as a company has come and how far uh, things have changed from then until now. It is pretty incredible to really take in the scope of everything that has shifted during this specific console generation. Uh, and for the better, I would say, you have a lot more creativity, you have a lot of diversity within the gaming space. You've gone from being primarily focused on uh, linear campaigns to something that's more of a game-as-a-service setup for a lot of the industry. It's incredible to see just how much change has come in a very small amount of time. But the big news here. The 100 million units sold worldwide. Have we hit a peak? Is the PlayStation 4 finally beginning to close out and it's going to slowly dribble off from here? Not necessarily if you look at it from a direct point of view, but overall this is without a doubt the pinnacle of the PlayStation 4. It's not going to be hitting uh, anything else as far as major lifetime milestones, at least not while it is still the flagship console for Sony. This is going to be the biggest uh, peak that it hits while there is no other competitor or no other successor on the market uh, that is going directly against the PlayStation 4 from Sony. Uh, and so I would say you might be seeing 150 million units, maybe, uh, you know, 10 years down the road, whenever the PlayStation 4 is the legacy console, sort of like how we look at the PlayStation 2 now, or at least how we looked at the PlayStation 2 a few years ago when we were still considering its numbers. Uh, that's how we're going to be seeing the next big milestone for the PlayStation 4 kind of come into the public eye, if we ever do see that moment. But 100 million units is incredible, especially for a console uh, that has, without a doubt, gone to blow people's minds and also devastate people's wallets over the course of the past five years. Not shocking, but still worth talking about. Now, the big thing here, another piece of news from this specific report, 53% of the software download ratio was, of course in the favor of the software download ratio, the digital front. So that means that more people were buying and downloading digital games and playing digital games as compared to physical games for the first time in a major way this console generation. Uh, I think this shows more of a shift towards digital as you would expect. This shows people really getting behind the idea of downloading their stuff instead of going out and buying their stuff. And quite frankly, I'm part of that. I haven't really purchased any kind of physical game in the past few months, but I have been downloading uh, many games from the PlayStation Store, whether or not they are with my PlayStation Plus subscription or if I'm just buying a game outright. I have been spending more time downloading stuff from the store instead of going to my local GameStop or even my local mom and pop shop. I don't simply go out and buy things. Why would I do that whenever the sales on the store are relatively pretty good? I just bought Shadow of the Colossus for what, $13? Something like that? It was cheaper on the store than it was going to GameStop. And I think, in my personal opinion, 
that's what's going to be the make it or break it for the digital front. Uh, whenever the digital option first came about, uh, back on the PlayStation 3 and the PSP, really, whenever we're talking about Sony specifically, the sales and the pricing were so completely off as compared to what was available in GameStop or a local shop, uh, I was never going to consider buying something digitally because I could get it for between $10 and $20 cheaper on any day of the week in my local store. Now, to be fair, sometimes that still stands true, depending on on what sales are going on, but the prices are updated on a regular basis. The consistency of what to expect from the store in terms of pricing is simply there now. It wasn't there before, and so I'm more apt to actually purchase things on the digital front because the prices are kind of fair now. And of course, that is just my two cents. Some would say they were fair before, but if you look at the PlayStation Portable Go, if you remember that little device, I say that thing failed almost entirely because of the fact that the pricing on the store was so outrageous that instead of paying $3 for a used UMD, uh, the, the classic plastic uh, game cartridge slash disc that you could get for the PSP, Instead of paying $3 at GameStop for that, you would have to pay $40 on the PlayStation Store. Now, that's not necessarily the case, which makes it a much more apt competitor to the concrete... Concrete? Sure, why not stores? Uh, but... If you were curious as to how the PlayStation 4 sales were doing, they're doing very well. Now passing 100 million units sold worldwide with a big focus on digital on top of the people that buy that hardware. However, let's talk about the Nintendo Switch because we have some sales figures for it as well. The Nintendo Switch has sold 36.8 million units worldwide. Super Mario Maker 2 sold over 2.4 million units in three days. A double headline, if you will. Nintendo Switch, as of June 30th, 2019, has sold 36.87 million units worldwide, with Super Mario Maker 2 additionally selling 2.42 million units in just three days. Revealed during Nintendo's financial briefing for April to June of this year, fiscal year 3, Q1 2020, what? Okay. Uh, the Nintendo Switch has sold 2.13 million units this past quarter, which is at 13.2% increase on a year-on-year -year basis. Software sales also saw a rise with 22.62 million units being sold in the same period, which is a 25.9% increase from the same time frame last year. For comparison's sake, Nintendo Switch's 2.13 million units sold was surpassed by PlayStation 4's 3.2 million units sold last quarter, which pushed Sony's latest console to over 100 million units sold worldwide, as we just discussed. Perhaps most impressive is the news that Super Mario Maker 2, which was released on June 28, 2019, has sold 2.42 million units in three days, and this is of course before the quarter came to a close. Super Mario Maker 2 was also the top-selling game in June, beating out Crash Team Racing, Nitro Fueled, and Mortal Kombat 11. Nintendo also updated the units sold of its top-selling Switch titles, with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe still holding on to the number one spot with 17.89 million units sold. Super Mario Odyssey is second with 14.94 million, followed by Smash Bros. Ultimate with 14.73 million, Breath of the Wild with 13.61, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee with 10.9 million units, and Splatoon 2 with 9.02 million units sold, and of course things dribble off from there. But of course, the top 10 is still well over a million. Digital sales for Nintendo Switch titles saw a rise of 65.3% from the same quarter of last year, with total sales reaching 30.6 billion yen, or roughly 281 million USD. Operating profit for this period was down 10.2% year over year at 27.4 billion yen, or about 252 million USD, although net sales were up 2.14%, and that equates to about $1.58 billion USD. 
So, of course, we have a very interesting latter half of 2019 for Nintendo coming up because we do have two sort of kind of models of the Nintendo Switch coming out. Of course, one being the Nintendo Switch Lite, which is a massive competitor uh, in the handheld space, mainly the only uh, big handheld in 2019. But on top of that, it's also competing pretty directly with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One in terms of what the holiday sales are going to be focused on. Traditionally, there's always one big deal. Sometimes it's a PlayStation 4 bundle. Sometimes it's an Xbox One deal. Uh, but now Nintendo is really presenting the Nintendo Switch Lite to parents for the holiday of 2019 as the big go-to piece of hardware that could be the hot item on the market for this fall and this winter. And I think it really does have the potential to be that uh, piece of technology and fill that hole for the last half of 2019. But instead of looking forward, let's talk about what we have here. 36.8 million units sold worldwide is a pretty impressive figure, I must admit. Now, 2.42 million in three days for Super Mario Maker 2, nothing to shake a stick at either. But the fact that Nintendo Switch sold 2.13 million units this past quarter is pretty impressive considering that there really wasn't, towards the beginning of this past quarter, much in terms of software for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, we've seen a lot come out recently. We have seen a ton of games come out this summer with Fire Emblem Heat 3 Houses, uh, Super Mario Maker 2, of course, another big one, uh, coming out and really padding the Nintendo Switch lineup for 2019, making it a much more appealing piece of hardware to actually get on board with in 2019 and beyond. And so I think that the software is really what we need to focus on here because the software is pushing the hardware sales in this situation. People are buying a Nintendo Switch because of these big flagship titles that you can only play on the Nintendo Switch. Of course, we've been talking more about Nintendo Switch Online recently, which is actually turning out to be a pretty good service. Nothing in comparison to PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold or even Game Pass, which is kind of in a different field itself. Uh, but still, a very impressive offering from Nintendo considering it is its first foray into the online space. But when it comes down to it, what is the state of the Nintendo Switch in terms of the overall scope in summer of 2019? How is the Switch doing and how is Nintendo doing? I think they're doing incredibly well, in my opinion. And this is coming from somebody who is not a big Nintendo guy. I'm not going to be a diehard Nintendo fan. I'm considering getting a Nintendo Switch Lite mainly to play uh, these small indie games that come out from time to time. And also, it's a very affordable piece of hardware. Uh, but when it comes down to the overall health of the Switch and the ecosystem that it exists within, uh, Nintendo is very much so uh, performing incredibly well in 2019, pumping out really good software, showing very promising hardware results. Results, and I really do think they are going to dominate uh, this holiday season. I think it's going to be a game changer whenever you're talking about the sales, whenever we are looking back in January of 2020 to see exactly what the big item on the market was for the holiday season. A uh, very exciting time to be a fan of Nintendo. Tons of stuff coming down the pipe with Luigi's Mansion uh, launching in October. Tons of games coming out in the latter half of 2019. Uh, but, of course, OKS Keeler in the chat also brings in a pretty good point and says, if Xbox Game Pass comes to the Switch, that could boost them too. Another big thing to take into consideration. Now, this has not been confirmed, but rumors have been circulating that Xbox and Nintendo are going to collaborate and bring some of the services over and kind of cross paths, if you will. So if Game Pass does come in a streaming kind of format using potentially the xCloud platform that Microsoft has been building for the past, I suppose, roughly 10 years maybe at this point, uh, that would be an incredible amount of value for those that want big AAA games from Microsoft on the go on their Nintendo Switch or their Nintendo Switch Lite. That would be a game changer and something that could, I 
potentially uh, would estimate double the impact of the Nintendo Switch if it does function well, if the technology is there, and if the games are supported well by the Nintendo ecosystem. But with that being said, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're beginning to speculate what you need to know, what has happened right now, the facts, the hard, cold facts. 36.8 million units sold worldwide for the Nintendo Switch, with the software really killing it, and Super Mario Maker 2 killing it specifically within just three days, which is a pretty impressive figure and a pretty impressive fact to consider. Uh, but overall, congratulations to Nintendo as well as Sony for hitting pretty big milestones considering the time frames in which both of their little pieces of hardware have come out. However, do you want to read? I doubt it. Probably not, but I bet you definitely don't want to read Ninja's book because Fortnite streamer Ninja is writing a book about how to become an unstoppable gamer. Okay, as video games become bigger and bigger businesses and the esports world nips at the periphery of that business, it makes sense that people will write guides on how to profit from these things. Enter Ninja, also known as Tyler Blevins off of the internet, who has made somewhat of a fortune by becoming one of the most popular streamers on said internet. Now he is going to teach others how to do it. Titled Ninja Get Good, the upcoming book from Blevins set out to teach readers how to become unstoppable gamers. In theory, there's actually some good topics to cover here, like setting up a streaming strategy, what kind of equipment you need, things like that. Nothing that would make you unstoppable per se, but maybe that's more of a marathon than a sprint. Ninja Get Good is going to release in August. But let's be clear here, that's not the only book that Ninja is writing. There are, in fact, two more on the way from what Ninja's publisher, Edbury, calls the best player in the world. One is a notebook with, of course, Ninja stickers, pro tips and props to get your mind going, also available in August. As far as books go, that is a bit of a licensed whatever. The other book scheduled for this December is entitled The Incredible Ninja, The Most Dangerous Game, seemingly invoking Richard Connell's historically significant short story of the same name about a Russian aristocrat that hunted humans on an island as a criticism of big game hunting. The graphic novel begins with Ninja receiving a mysterious invitation to take part in an impossibly realistic, challenging, and addictive game. All three books are being published by Edbury Publishing and... Why, you may ask, are these books happening? Because money, man. Because money. That's exactly why. Uh, but to be quite honest with you, when it comes to receiving a big amount of fame in a small amount of time, you really have to take advantage of this moment. Because once Fortnite begins to die down, if it does ever eventually die down, Ninja won't be as popular as he was uh, during the peak in 2018 and 2019. So take advantage of this. Sign movie deals. Sign record deals. Make a book. Write three books. Heck, make a notebook full of stickers and pro tips. Whatever you need to do, get that bread while you have the opportunity to bake. You know what I'm saying? You can't really blame the dude for doing what he's doing. With that being said, no book is going to make you famous. No book is going to make you an unstoppable gamer, whatever that's supposed to mean. Uh, but I will say, if you do want to get your little cousin something for Christmas, if you do want uh, to pad your shelf with something that's slightly humorous, but also potentially a good read on the coffee table, if you will, then by all means, you can check out Ninja's book line, which is coming out between August and December of 2019, again with three different offerings, one of which is going to be literally a fictional novel that... <laughs> Oh, God. I, I, 2019, man, it's crazy. Uh, but no, sincerely, pretty impressive to see that the dude is actually uh, following a pretty good trend in writing a book whenever you hit a peak level of fame in your career. Good on him. And also, I will say, Ninja's doing very well. People give the dude a lot of crap. And don't get me wrong, I understand why. Because, again, people get jealous when somebody becomes famous. Uh, but at the same time, you have to consider the fact that, hey... 
It's very impressive what he has been able to do in a very small amount of time, but also look at the long game. He's been around since the Halo 2 days. I mean, this dude has been going hard in the competitive scene for a very long time, and he just so happened to take off with Fortnite. And then you dye your hair a couple of different colors, you get an army of 10-year-olds, you're good to go. You're, you're set. Good on him. Good on him. But... Let's talk more about games. Hitman Studio IO Interactive is teasing a new IP and an episodic Hitman 3. Hitman 3 is in the works and it may go back to the episodic format, reads the subtitle on Games Radar. Hitman 2 was an exceedingly familiar sequel, but it was still a good Hitman game, and any movement from developer IO Interactive is still plenty exciting. According to a new documentary from Noclip, the studio is not only looking at Hitman 3, but also a new IP entirely. IO Interactive opened a new studio in Sweden earlier this year. At the time, CEO Hakan Abrek said the addition of the Swedish studio would expand our muscles for creating brand new and exciting endeavors, new universes, new franchises, and it seems folks have settled into the new studio and begun putting those muscles to good use. While much of the team is working on a new Hitman content and looking ahead to third Hitman game, one that Abrek says may once again go episodic, the majority of the studio, at least here in Copenhagen, is working on something secret and rather excitingly something new. Journalist and noclip narrator Danny O'Dwyer says around 37 minutes into the Hitman documentary, We are still very much independent, Abrek says afterwards. We are looking into the future with new things, potentially new IPs that we might be working on. We have created four original IP from scratch, creating new characters and worlds and and whatnot as part of our DNA. We are looking forward to bringing new stuff as well, apart from growing Hitman into the world. It sounds like Hitman 3 and IO Interactive's Mystery IP are still very early in development, possibly even pre-production, so we probably won't see much of them until 2020 at the earliest. However, if Hitman 3 does indeed return to the episodic model of Hitman, the reboot that is, we may get to play it first, excuse me, its first episode within the next few years. And so this is incredibly fun uh, and incredibly exciting. Number one, the thing I want to point out, if you don't follow Noclip, I highly recommend that you check them out because it very much is an incredibly high quality, high production value documentary series from Danny O'Dwyer, famous for a variety of projects within the gaming industry. Uh, but really impressive to see what he's been able to accomplish with Noclip. There is a fantastic documentary on Bethesda uh, before the fallout of Fallout 76. Uh, but really, sincerely check this stuff out. With that being said, the future of Hitman, is it still going to be around? Absolutely. The past two Hitman games have done incredibly well on the storefronts. They've done incredibly well in the review fronts, of course, gaining a pretty big following in a very small amount of time, uh, even more so as compared to uh, the previous Hitman games. They're just as popular, if not more popular, than what many would consider to be the peak of like Hitman Absolution, that kind of era of Hitman. Uh, They're doing very, very well, pumping out some big numbers, and I would be very shocked to see any kind of Hitman end in any kind of way, shape, or form soon. But to see Hitman 3 going back to the episodic format, I think it's pretty good. And I'll tell you why. Because whenever you're thinking about Hitman, I don't need a ton of Hitman coming at me all at once. I like little snippets of Hitman because it's an experience that I don't need to sit and play for 10 to 12 hours. If I just have a little episode here and there, a couple of episodes every few weeks, that is perfect for my playstyle, that's perfect for my tendencies, and that keeps me coming back and it keeps everything fresh in my mind. Instead of playing Hitman in one week for a, a week in June, I'll be playing Hitman for a week in June, a week in July, a week in August, a week in September, and that keeps me coming back, keeps me potentially purchasing small purchases within the game, maybe there's a microtransaction for a suit or something here and there. That keeps people coming back, and that's pretty much what I think they're trying to do here. But I would love to be 
able to see exactly what they have planned for the brand new Hitman. And of course, this interesting new IP, that sounds really exciting as well. Uh, I would love to see IO Interactive kind of stretch their legs a bit, try something new. Of course, they have, as they said, four different IPs that I believe they've worked on according to this uh, brand new uh, little, uh, little show from Noclip. But uh, I would love to see some more creative stuff. And that's one thing that I always have been saying is that although these remasters are good, although these rebirths of classic franchises are good, uh, to be able to have new ideas is something that I think the gaming industry is either overlooking or not getting into enough. Because of course, new ideas and new concepts exist, but people cling to what they know is familiar. And so people will obviously buy more copies of Hitman than they would a brand new IP from IO Interactive. And that's just the unfortunate nature of the beast. You have to establish a brand new IP before you can lean on a new IP as a big pillar of what is going to bring financial financial success to your studio, to your publisher, whatever it might be. And so that's kind of a, a, a bad situation, but it is something that you have to take into consideration when you're talking about what big uh, game to really push on the marketing front. But I would love to see exactly what happens. Also, to those hanging out live in the chat, I appreciate you being here. Tony in the chat says, you've been doing a lot of talk shows. I mean, you know, one or two. But you know who else is talking? Cortana. In the Halo Infinite trailer, sort of, kind of, a hidden QR code in Halo Infinite's trailer reveals Cortana audio clip. Halo Infinite's six-minute trailer at E3 this year was already filled with ambiguity, and a recent discovery proves it. Across Twitter and Reset Era, fans have been speculating about the discovery of an audio clip linked to a QR code hidden in the trailer discovered by at X-E-R-Y-A-L. Zeril, I believe is how you would pronounce that, perhaps? The 40-second audio clip begins with mostly ambience and the sound of echoing footsteps until Cortana begins speaking. This, this is part of me, she says. I don't know why. I don't know how, but it is me. Fan speculation began, and with it came the complicated lore of compiling, which I will try to explain here. You ready? Buckle in. Here it goes. During the events of Halo 4, Cortana began a process of advanced degradation called rampancy. During her rampancy, there were many fragments of her that she used to hold the didact back, but of course, long enough for Master Chief to defeat him. The speculation is that one of these fragments did not return to Cortana before she was saved from her rampancy by Forerunner technology, and that the audio clip hints at two Cortanas, one from Halo 5 and one that was not part of Halo 5. This is merely speculation, and what happens to Cortana and the meaning of the clip are still yet to be revealed. It is, however, an exciting secret and causes one to wonder what else we have yet to find. Halo Infinite is planned for release in 2020 as a launch title of the upcoming Project Scarlet, and also, of course, coming out on the X Xbox One as well as the PC. So we have a bit of a tease. We have a bit of a, a, a look at what could be coming, at least in terms of what's going on with Cortana in the next big Halo game. Uh, I love the fact that they've been baking in these little small Easter eggs throughout these trailers because you have codes for Xbox Game Pass that are blatantly uh, put in the, in, the, in, the, in the trailer themselves right there or the trailers themselves, I should say. Uh, but to be able to see this stuff that hints at what's coming, to be able to see uh, these QR codes, to be able to see people really digging into the trailers, that's what gets me excited. And, and this is fantastic marketing, I will also say, because as somebody who is sort of kind of into marketing and likes to analyze how games are presented and how media is, is promoted in 2019, it, this is much more effective than just pumping out some kind of small 20-second trailer of Cortana talking to allow people to dig deep into the trailer, to allow people 
people to see these QR codes and try them and just be shocked and, and the internet uh, blows up momentarily about the fact that something was hidden in a trailer that we've seen for months on end, that is so much more effective and so much more exciting than just pumping something out, putting something up on a social media feed, whatever you want to call it. This is the way it's done and it gets me incredibly excited for number one, Project Scarlet, uh, because I think the console is going to be a relatively incredible piece of technology. I say relatively because in comparison to the PlayStation 5, things are still up in the air since we don't know all of the details about Sony's offering, but I think it's going to be a very impressive console from Microsoft, and I'm excited to see what's going on with Halo as well. Of course, lifelong Halo fan, love the franchise, love the vibe, uh, love Cortana. Who doesn't love good Cortana? And so we could be seeing too, according to the author over there, Blake Woog, at Game Informer, who is a very successful intern writing a big, big story right here. But nonetheless, let's round out today's show with a potential return of Doom 64 for the PC and the PS4. It looks like Bethesda is getting ready to release Doom 64 on platforms other than the Nintendo 64. Nintendo 64 exclusive Doom 64 has been given a Peggy 18 rating last week on PC and PS4. The game has never been announced for modern platforms, so this listing is particularly curious. I couldn't find the game on Peggy's official site, says the author, but the listing above was spotted by Gamatsu, and Doom 64, in case you don't know, was just a port. It was, excuse me, was not just a port of the classic shooter on the Nintendo 64. Doom 64 is technically a sequel to Doom 2, though it was not actually developed by id Software. Instead, Midway Games handled the project that would never see release on any platform outside of the Nintendo 64. As Gamatsu points out, the game may be on its way to more platforms than just PC and PS4. The ports of Doom, Doom 2, and Doom 3 released over the weekend were only listed for those consoles, but obviously ended up on the Nintendo Switch as well. The same could be true for Doom 64, seeing as it debuted on a Nintendo console after all. Bethesda dubbed 2019 the year of Doom, so it is very possible this is coming sooner rather than later, and we will of course keep an eye out, and I will keep an eye out and let you know on the podcast when this does go live, because I think this is just the next iteration, the next step forward towards releasing all the Doom games on the modern consoles, and potentially I would say even preparing them for porting to the PlayStation 5, Project Scarlet, whatever is coming next, because people love love Doom. I am one that loves Doom. I would love to see more of Doom and to see these classic Doom games get released for a budget price of five, five and ten dollars for Doom, Doom 2 and Doom 3 respectively is of course a pretty good move. Uh, but to see Nintendo 64's Doom 64 come out on the modern consoles, that that would be very interesting. I would love to see that happen. Of course, I would say this could happen as a marketing uh, promotion potentially between now and when Doom Eternal releases in just a couple of months. I think that could be a pretty good move to get people hyped up, get people excited which I think is why the classic Doom games are coming out now on the modern consoles, as well as, notably, iOS and Android. Uh, so could Doom 64 be coming out and getting the same kind of treatment? It very well could, and I would definitely be down to see what that would look like. Of course, traditionally, looks just like it did on the Nintendo 64, but I digress. You know what I'm saying. I would love to just see it be something that is within existence. However, my friends, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. Of course, if you are brand new to the show, it is, again, as I said, hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, live on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams, then taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, as well as podcast services around the world. If you did want to check it out on your Spotify, your Apple podcast, your Google podcast, whatever you might use, you can find it there. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of the day. To those hanging out live in the chat, I appreciate you being here, and I will talk to you soon. Peace.